0: Hello! (laughs) Hi, welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast. I am Seb Lee Delisle. I am
1: at Ian Lobb.
0: At Ian Lobb. (laughs) Are you at? That's my
1: new name. I've changed my name by deed poll. Really? To the at symbol. Is it a
0: tribute to Prince? Yeah, Yeah, good old (laughs) Prince.
1: I really like Prince. I was a huge fan. He
0: was a really good musician.
1: (laughs) He seemed like just a good dude as well.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I I kind of always got the impression he was a bit of a perv. Yeah. I guess that's okay. No problems for me. That's good for me. Um, (laughs) um, But no, he was a really underrated musician, I think. The level of musicianship was astonishing.
1: Yeah. There's a documentary about him on iPlayer at the moment that's worth watching, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, just about how on all his first records, he played
0: all the instruments. Yeah, it's really, really very skilled.
1: Anyways, shout out our patrons. So if you want to support the show, you can support us on patreon.com slash creativecoding. People who back up $5 a month or more get a shout out from me or Seb. So here it is. Thank you, everyone. But a special thanks to <laughs> Heather Corcoran, Rob Shearing, Mikhail Hazani, Sam HS, Bradley Manderscheid, lorenzo pirandini
0: james med chris spurgeon adam butler and dan Het. some imaginative pronunciations there so if you want your name mispronounced <laughs> on our show then please support us on patreon why was it mikhail and not just michael oh
1: <laughs> i don't know yeah i am i am slightly dyslexic so there's a bit of interpretive creative interpretation in there
0: i like it you get that for free yeah <laughs> so hey everyone Yes, hi. It seems like a while since we've caught up with each other. Loads been going on in my life. Yeah. And you've been all busy with work stuff. I'm
1: just doing work, um, working with a client at the moment. So I'm just really busy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to fire into your news then? Yeah, I've got a, a workshop coming up beginning of June. Just a couple of tickets left. It's my Raspberry Pi Internet of Things workshop. Get a cool kit of electronics. Two days in Brighton in the summer, plugging bits of electronics into Raspberry Pi's little lights and switches and displays. Yeah, it's good fun. Come and join me, st4i.com. And like I said, yeah, a couple of early birds left as of this recording.
1: That's cool. And so you learn if you've never done anything with like physical computing or is that even what you call it or Internet of Things and all that sort of stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely physical computing. It's a good starter. I mean, there's just a real joy of just playing with little buttons and lights and stuff. LEDs, I'm just in love with LEDs anyway. I always have been. They're like sweets, right? Just little <laughs> coloured, wonderful little light sweets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, and of course, a big part of it is connecting it to the internet, right? So you can make the lights turn on and off
1: through the internet. You always keep up to date with these courses, and this is definitely like the in-topic at the moment, isn't it? You know, I
0: did it last year with Arduino, and this year it's all moved to Raspberry Pi, Pi Zeros, hopefully, if I can get hold of enough of them. So because it's Raspberry Pi, I can do it in JavaScript now, so it's Node.js, so it's like super accessible and easy. More accessible, isn't it, than than Arduino? Yeah, well, if, you know, I guess probably... Primarily, people that come to the workshops are web people, right? So I
1: think most, just most developers these days are web people, basically. Yeah, Aren't they? effectively, like it's more than fifty percent probably of developers now are working on. There is a massive stuff.
0: number of JavaScript programmers. There is absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah, if you look at the stats on Stack Overflow when they do the survey, it's by far the biggest. Yeah, absolutely, group of developers,
1: isn't it? Isn't it funny? Isn't it funny? The the worst language one.
0: It's all it's not, over now. It's not the worst language. <laughs> it's easy. Mind you, they're they're really difficulting it up with um ES6 or Are ES... they
1: really? Are they complifying it?
0: They're, yeah. it's the same as between AS two and AS three. They're putting in classes. I guess
1: and... the th- the difference is though that AS three really imposed like a Java style it was very much wanted you to work in that way, but this isn't doing that, is it? Yeah, kind of. I haven't really looked at it yet, to be honest. It doesn't have a type system, though, does it? It's still like... Uh, I mean, yeah,
0: I think it's got data types. God, we're going to have to do an episode about it, aren't we?
1: Who's an expert that we can get onto? Well, I mean, we should just research this stuff ourselves, <laughs> shouldn't we? <But laughs> lots of people I notice are doing stuff in ES6 now and using, uh, like, Babel.
0: Yeah, yeah. To, to well, and of course, we had Raquel on the show few weeks ago mm. from npm and of course babel or people call it babel for some reason but it, as far know. as i know it's like babel right i mean it's like, like the, the tower, tower of babel, babel. Yeah. yeah and it's all about languages like the babel fish in hitchhiker's guide mm. um so i'm gonna say babel but yeah babel fell down didn't it because of the left pad saga
1: anyway we've, we've covered that one we covered that one detail. already.
0: <laughs> but news on raspberry pi while we were talking about it is mm-hmm. that Um, they've ramped up production of Raspberry Pi Zeros. And I think it started uh, a couple of Mondays ago, whereas previously they could only make 10,000 a month. Now they've ramped it up to 40,000 a month and they've automated a lot of their test procedures. So hopefully... They should be able to um, fulfil a bit more of the demand than they have been up to this point. Because it's been ni- a nightmare trying to get Pi Zeros. Is that because
1: they're so cheap? They're just very popular?
0: Yeah, and because production has been quite limited. And I believe, you know, because the Raspberry Pi 3 has come out as well. So I think a lot of the manufacturing plants or they're con- they were concentrating on Raspberry Pi 3 and just sort of letting zeros sort of bubble under. There's a lot more motivation to get pi threes made because there's a lot more margin in it and particularly for their production suppliers like element 14 and radio spares or rs i suppose yeah. they're called we we've, t- we've discussed this very topic i think before that's right but um i think they were concentrating on getting enough threes and now they've sort of sorted that out they're back to doing the zeros again so that's good
1: i've been doing this week some um cuz i've been working on my mac and I've been having to use terminal in ma- on the Mac which I've never really had to do before. Oh cool. For command line the only reason that I know any of it is because when I was a kid I used to have to do DOS <laughs> and to to launch games and stuff like that. Yeah. So and it I mean it still amazes me that like command line is a thing because it's not really taught anywhere anymore. Well, I mean, it depends, what, it depends what you study at university, I guess. But like, yeah. so yeah, I was going into terminal and it's just like, yeah, I know, I know the command I and it's CD slash. And it's like, hey, CD worked. Yeah. I'm like, I'm in. Okay. And then just <laughs> nothing else. None of my other commands that I've known my whole life, like D-I-R stroke W and stuff worked. Yeah, so that's been, all dust, isn't it? Is that called, is it called bash? Yes, it? yeah, it's so bash been, script, isn't it? I've been yeah. learning
0: some, some of the basic commands
1: this, this week. Know, I've
0: been doing more and more bash over the last few years, starting at setting up my own server, which with hindsight was a massive mistake. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but actually, I learned quite a lot doing it. And then, of course, you know, just the, a bit of command line stuff on the Mac. But actually, with the Raspberry Pi stuff... You know the workshop that I run because we're running the Raspberry Pi's headless, right? So we don't attach a screen or a keyboard or anything. So we're controlling these these Raspberry Pis entirely through SSH. Yeah. So we're we're, we're SSHing into the Raspberry Pis and controlling them completely on the command line. So, yeah, over the last few years, I've just got more and more into that. It's cool.
1: Like command line interfaces, like are powerful. Like mm. they're. For developers, well, for the people that make them, I guess, it just gives you a way of exposing functionality without having to do the work of building a user interface and even thinking about that stuff. So it's a lot quicker, right, to develop a command line interface for something that's really powerful than to try and work out how you
0: would express all of that information visually. Yeah, there's so much power. Once you get into that, things like image processing or, you know, like we were talking last week about the possibility of adding sponsorship messages to our podcast, yeah, and that'd be a right pain in the arse. But we could pretty easily set up a, a script that just goes through and merges MP3s together.
1: I mean, we haven't made up our minds about advertising yet, <laughs> but if we were to do it would be basically automatically attach a 20-second ad or something to the start of every podcast in our history.
0: Well, I think we could have the option of sponsoring a single episode or four episodes in a row. Hmm.
1: The thing is, there's no point in having an ad that runs for like four years for tech stuff because it's all going to be out of date. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, I think even if we did that, it would still be fairly short term. Anyway... (laughs) Yeah, I'm sorry about this, <laughs> Yeah, everyone. but anyway, the, the
1: interesting technical thing was that. It's like, why isn't it possible? It should be possible for us to just, like, go add this MP3 to, add this, like, add to all these MP3s from this source thing
0: you know i'm sure there's like batch processing available in audacity what's or, the
1: really good processor for
0: media stuff oh ffmpeg
1: yeah there's also vlc right is that does vlc yeah. have a command line thing to it yeah i think
0: it does actually
1: vlc is like so powerful it will like yeah it will open like any media file and put it out in any media file it's so yeah clever.
0: and you can even do like video streaming with it it's insanely powerful
1: yeah yeah it's
0: cool. I've been to a couple of conferences I meant to mention. Okay. Uh, a couple of weeks ago I was in Belgrade in Serbia for the Hackaday conference. Cool. How was that? Yeah, it was pretty good. It was a one-day event. Um, it was like in quite a big music venue, I think. So it was like re- almost blackout, right, which during the day freaks me out a bit. And they had That's like weird. the biggest sound system ever, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so whenever they played their little stings between talks <laughs> just deafening. No. So, well there'd be one little bit in it which had like this crazy sub bass <laughs> <It's> like on <laughs> like, all the chairs like vibrated and stuff yeah it was um yeah uh, but there was, there was some really good speakers actually. I've been talking to someone from. What H- was the general theme of? Well, Hacker Day is like electronics. It's an electronics right. blog, right? It's actually really, really crazy, crazy popular. I certainly know that when my art projects have been featured on there, my servers nearly get taken down with the amount of traffic.
1: Is it Hacker Day or like Hack a Day?
0: <laughs> well, it's it's all one word, right? right. So I suppose it. The idea is that it's a hack every day. Yeah. I don't know.
1: But it's with an A, not like a ER.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hack A day. And what was the other conference you went to? Uh, I went to Render Conference last week. And that was like a CSS conference, wasn't it? No, um, it oh. was... Well, it's interesting, actually. They've got an interesting sort of backstory. They've been jQuery conference for right. five years. Um, and this this year they've rebranded, obviously, quite sensibly, I suppose. Um, with the- slow
1: demise of jquery it's just not <laughs> as popular as it was right
0: yeah i think so there was one talk about jquery that that was like yeah honest it's not irrelevant yeah are they um, having their flash
1: moment are they
0: <laughs> yes yeah, i guess so. <laughs> um
1: what that you didn't do what the flux the uh, yeah, jquery right. version
0: yeah so <laughs> for those of you who don't remember i did a, a talk about the demise of flash Several years ago, at a flash a, conference, a flash conference. It was quite an epic talk. Did you know I got a hundred percent approval rating? I for I did. We talk. talked
1: about this before. Yeah,
0: I just went. I'm very proud of that. <laughs> I've never had a hundred percent approval rating for anything.
1: All you have to do is just go and tell people the the bad news. At a just tell conference. them that their, their
0: technology is dead and. 100% approval. Well, my, cheek, my cheeky thing that I did was that I interviewed loads of other people and they all said the bad things. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then you didn't have to say the bad things. <laughs> and then things. I didn't have to say them. That's um, true. Obviously, I agreed with them. Anyway, so render Conference, yeah, there was a lot of front-end development. There was a really good talk about Canvas. There was a really good talk about SVG. Uh, there were other things, other more geeky things like you know service workers and stuff like that you know the um the sort of threading that you can do in javascript now so yeah it was mm. quite a good mix of it was a pretty technical conference yeah i enjoyed yeah. it any st- stuff about react um yeah maybe i'm just trying to remember the
1: javascripts i taught people i talked to are all either doing react or
0: angular now yeah there was definitely a mention of or two of react but you know i, I sort of switch off <laughs> yeah i mean
1: react is really interesting the javascript i mean i'm not i'm not an expert in it in the slightest (laughs) i have a very vague (laughs) understanding of what it does but basically like the javascript controls the um actually like building the pages
0: in terms of layout someone was talking to me about it saying that they could use it on the on the back end as well with node and it was quite seamless so that seems like quite good um
1: yeah and they've like they've got react native as well which like oh yeah it runs
0: on phones and stuff turns it into like a native app it's quite clever Mm, very interesting um i've actually i actually got quite a few interviews from render that we'll be playing over the next few weeks
1: you're not gonna edit them into like one
0: i've actually got i think i've got three episodes worth wow okay (laughs) serious stuff Um, so um yeah I'm um, just trying to think if I should tease them. Probably not. I'll probably just leave it. But um, there's some really good interviews, put it that way.
1: That's awesome. Is that including ones that Val did as well? Or?
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So Val did uh, a couple and that will probably be the first episode that w- we release. And I did, I interviewed um, a couple of more web people. Yeah. It was interesting. I, I interviewed Bruce Lawson and Jeremy Keith. They cool. were... And they were because they were both touched in their talk on the fact that Flash really helped the open web. You know, it helped the browsers to kind of sort their stuff out. Right. And so that the was quite interesting. Yeah. So I talked about that with them for a bit. That was cool. Oh, that's cool. And I got a long interview with Gordon from Esprino, uh, which is a, a small, a small prototyping board. I suppose right. a bit like Arduino. Um, but it runs JavaScript natively on it, uh, and so I, I got quite a long interview with him. That's probably a whole episode. That's cool.
1: And I've got um, I've got some interviews with more game dev people lined up, but not recorded. So
0: cool. That's cool. Also coming up, yeah, in future weeks. Yeah, but one thing that was really fun about Render was that they had some scholarships. Yes. Um so they'd give free tickets to Yes, to- one of my friends
1: actually was on on one of them actually.
0: Oh really? Cool. Yeah. Did you hear from them?
1: Yeah, my friend Nat. She mm. she was on a scholarship there I think. Did she like it? Yeah, she had a great time I think.
0: One one of the really good things was that rather than just giving them a ticket and letting them sort themselves out is they actually assigned guides Hmm. to the the scholarships and it's not like you had to hang out with them the whole time but it was just like a friendly face to yeah to chat to and I actually met loads of people through that because I was a guide oh, were you? To, to a scholarship person oh, yeah awesome. and you know and I t- I talked to her a couple of times but it was just a sort of really nice thing because I got to meet some of the other scholarship people and some of the other guides. And it, you know, for conferences when you're on your own, it can be really scary. Yes, even for me, like the Hack Day conference, I didn't know anyone, and it was terrifying. <laughs> and it wasn't very easy to meet people or even meet the people who were organizing it because no one had names on their badges. Right? No, they had these crazy badges with leds and stuff on but they didn't actually have names so it was like <laughs> i was just wandering around like trying to figure out who was running it <laughs> and i was really it was terrifying like, even for someone quite experienced at conferences as i am and even as a speaker it was intimidating so and render was the opposite you know there was so m- much there to help you meet people it was brilliant
1: that's really good mm. I'm, I'm glad about stuff i'm glad conferences are sorting out like all of their diversity policies all of their codes of conduct all that stuff it's like so important like it's yeah. something that's totally neglected in our industry or has been for like the last 10 years like not necessarily out of malice or anything but just the typical like just ignorance really it's just a it? typical like white dude attitude of like i've never had any problems why <laughs> would do you know what i mean right it's like that thing of yeah. like it's fine no everyone's cool like there's what could possibly go wrong yeah. and then it's just like only takes a few idiots
0: yeah. Whose behaviour maybe isn't... Uh... I was t- talking a bit about it on Twitter today, today actually because I think the biggest thing that I've been guilty of in the past is being like, well, you know, if you really want to do something then just do it, you know, <laughs> just do it in your spare time and learn it and all this. And of course, you know, now I'm starting to realise that even being in a position where I can do that, even even being in a position to be able to struggle with that stuff Mm, or to have spare time to have spare time or to you know it's like oh i just left my job (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then i learned it all and yeah i struggled for a bit you know it's sort of like well did i struggle really i was pretty much fine
1: (laughs) i don't know though i mean like Mm. if you have the time and you don't work at it that's 100% 100% on you if you have the opportunity oh, yeah. like whatever yeah. your background is if you have the opportunity and you don't take it that's on you like yeah if you literally don't have the opportunity that is a completely different thing
0: yeah but that's that's true as well but you know the other thing that that is kind of hard to think about and easy to assume is that you know I have a certain amount of confidence right yeah how did I get that I, I guess I had a pretty good upbringing you know fairly know, safe but then, yeah but and how far how
1: far down this road can you go can you go like oh no one
0: well if you've never had anything and you know and your parents haven't encouraged you to yeah. do things then but then, then you've but, always struggled and it's sort one of you...
1: too late though if like if you really have no confidence where you're, you're too scared to try things yeah like how do you re-educate that person that yeah. that it's okay to like try things and get things wrong and and yeah, believe in I mean, yourself. Like is is that even possible? Like
0: Um possibly not, but I think there's things that you could do to to make it worse or better, right? Yep. Um yeah. yeah very totally. very interesting. But yeah. I think I'm yeah. so I d
1: i definitely think that like we shouldn't focus on all the learn to code stuff on just kids. Yeah. It should be everyone. People who missed the opportunity, um, when there were no programmable seeming computers in the in the nineties and two thousands, for example. Yeah. Like yeah, there's that absolutely. huge gap between the end of the BBC and the start of the Raspberry Pi or scratch, where like yeah. coding seemed way less accessible than maybe it was. There was twenty years really, wasn't there? Well I mean where... I guess if you don't count web programming because
0: Well I mean if you're there. just literally thinking about what people were being taught in schools for twenty yeah. years. Yeah. You know, there was no yeah. sort of Yeah computer. it's crazy
1: how slow schools were to cut on to like teaching like Making web pages and things like that. Mm. Because, you know, literally like an eight year old can do it.
0: (laughs) It's not that hard. This is, you know, this is a common theme in my conversations. I'm sure I've talked about it on the podcast a million times. But, you know, I was in that group that sort of slim period of like five or 10 years where there were just loads of BBC micros in all the schools, right?
1: yeah you see i totally wasn't in that period and the level editors on doom and duke nukem were how i got into creative computing basically yeah because that was like wow this is a thing where these games are my favorite thing in the world and this is a thing where i can edit them and create my own things
0: yeah that's great you know that was your that, that was, was my your aim. gateway wasn't it yeah and then director of course if director hadn't
1: existed i literally wouldn't i'd be doing something completely different now i wouldn't even work <laughs> in computers there's no way i was just so scared to to learn programming or i just
0: thought it was so scary and it was scary yeah it's hard to get started isn't it it's it's
1: hard to remember now but when i look back to when i was doing director say in 2000 what the equivalent things were all the books that were like learn game development were like learn game development by learning c and <laughs> OpenGL, right or direct text right yeah and it's like a huge book and it and at the end of it it tells you how to put some sprites on the screen yeah and move them around and it's like one of those doorstep books and it's like well in director you can do that on your first day of using it (laughs) so it was like such a difference it's just like because i'm always like that i just want to get in and start making the stuff yeah. without having to reinvent the things that other people have already thought of. Well, and
0: that, that's and that's how it should be, really.
1: But, so, I mean, a lot of people still don't think like that. They still see programming as like, oh, I have to do some programming now. It's the counter argument to the whole left pad thing, right? It's like people going, oh, I need to do something. I must have to program that myself. And it's like, well, no, what you need is to get to the end result yeah. as quickly as possible. Right. And in fact, the less time you spend programming, the better. <laughs> Because it's just a, you're just wasting your time if you're recreating stuff that exists,
0: doing lots of unnecessary programming.
1: Yeah, exactly, unnecessary programming. Mm. Every time you use a design pattern or something like that, where you've got you know your engineering problems, you're you're, you're making extra work for yourself, basically. Right. The, the, the complaints are going to be
0: coming. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I understand what you're saying.
1: I'm basically saying like, don't program for the sake of it. Just think right. about the end result and how you're going to get there. And like, from, this is my philosophy anyway. And like, yeah. how you get there is less important, I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess when you're beginning, though, you know, you are more likely to do things the long way, right? And it's only as you get comfortable with programming that you learn how to get the computer to do more of the work.
1: Uh, no, that's not really what I'm thinking about. No? I'm thinking about more like just going back to, you know, what things used to be like where learn game development books. Yeah. Were huge books that told you how to implement drawing a triangle in
0: direct and things like that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure that was ever really a problem for me. Because I would never read a book like that. It just sounds awful. Well, yeah,
1: exactly. I, and that's what I'm saying, though. I used to see those books in the bookshop and I was like, wow, I'm super glad that I do direct her where like I don't have to think yeah. about these things.
0: So, so what's a book? What's a book? oh that's those things that used to be in the libraries yeah it's the
1: thing i i've put all my tech books either to charity shop or there's a a few sentimental ones that are in the garage but
0: But it's easy to forget how revolutionary the internet has been for spreading that sort of knowledge right yeah totally
1: but and just accessible tools like things like unity and things that like javascripts and just things that are easier to do basically and you Mm.
0: know oh i went to um i went to see the i went to raspberry pi hq at the weekend Right. in cambridge they had they've been running a program for a year raspberry pi pi raspberry pi creative technologists which are loads of young people who've basically been doing art projects for a year it's pretty right. fun that's cool i liked it just thought i'd give it a mention but didn't you want to talk about um xbox 360 oh well just briefly
1: there's i mean this is not really coding stuff but it's just i thought this one was worth a mention basically it's like they're finishing the production on the xbox 360 this year so i just thought it was a really cool console like it was i think it was definitely like probably my favorite console ever really and yeah i just think why is that it just had so many great games and it was just so easy to use and play with and the controller is so good like everyone still uses the controllers now for like testing their indie games and stuff like that like uh yeah it's just really good and it it also was really important in spearheading modern indie games Things like right. Braid oh, because and Castle they Crashes.
0: they set set you up to be able to write games for it. Yeah,
1: because yeah, they opened up the platform a bit mm. to independent people. Not massively, not completely opened the floodgates, but like they let the first few people in with game ideas for games that weren't just Call of Duty, but were more the vision of like one person type stuff. Mm. So.
0: When did it come out? I mean, it's been oh, it's a long for years, time ago, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it had a 10 year run, so 2006, but maybe it was before that, actually, thinking about it. But did you have. I had the Red Ring of Death once, or mine. I went for two consoles.
0: Right. But, I mean, are you totally biased? I mean, did you have the other equivalent consoles? Did you have one um, PlayStations or whatever? No, I didn't, because the Xbox was better
1: <laughs> in that generation. <laughs> yes, okay. It just was. It it just took a different attack with it and stuff. What what are your favourite games? Uh, Spelunky HD was really good. Gears of War was good. Was a classic. The Elder Scrolls stuff is always really good. Yeah, and of course with X and A, it was the first console for a long time that like, amateur people could make their own stuff for it as well. So we haven't talked about X and A for quite d- a few years. No, <laughs> well since it it's properly died a death now. Really, X and Well, there's a
0: thing called mono game. So X and A was like a sort of. Was it a programming language or was it like
1: No, it's a C sharp framework.
0: Yeah. Or a set of hooks
1: into into DirectX basically that was cross compatible between Windows and Xbox three sixty hmm. and Windows Phone as well at one stage yeah and it was it was really cool actually like it was at the time like it came out about the same time as unity came out but it was done in a completely different way so unity was very much this visual interface where you're like dragging and dropping things and writing bits of quote unquote javascript and it was like only on the mac i think Mm. with the the original editor and it was a web plugin yeah whereas xna was a completely different thing xna was much more It was just a code framework Mm. you wrote some code to put one sprite on the screen and move it about but it was all those things were there it was it was like a really nice level if you like to just write code and not have visual tools to help you if you just want to say like make 10 sprites and and or draw 10 sprites here or draw a thousand sprites here Mm. or like render this 3d model here it was really great for doing that and you could do things in not much code yeah so yeah i was a big fan but the problem is it doesn't scale massively well to bigger projects or to working quickly basically in a way in the way that unity does where unity is like unity is a level editor essentially it's got much more flexibility for building
0: bigger things and having more control in that way it's got it's actually got a sort of environment where you can place 3d objects and move them around yeah
1: exactly but x and a had just a simplicity to it i guess and a sort of purity whereas if you wanted to make space invaders it's the sort of thing that you could do it in like 50 lines of code without having to drag and drop anything so yeah I mean, in Unity, you can write Space Invaders with, like, four lines of code. <laughs> but you also have to learn the Unity interface and yeah. drag and drop a load of objects and, and learn how Unity physics, built-in physics system works. And Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, X and A was cool. I mean, like, I think it's had its time now. And I, I know that, like, some people who are, that's the technology they know keeping it going with things like monogame mm. which i think is trying to keep the apis and everything and that workflow still going in a time when microsoft don't care about XNA anymore i think they they discontinued it a few years ago but yeah yeah because there's always people who are like die hard for any platform aren't they oh yeah like like oh, i almost <laughs> went with flash and uh, some <laughs> people still are with flash and some people are with um jQuery jQuery <laughs> oh D- director was one where people yeah really really died hard and in <sighs> the flash days it was so
0: funny i was like oh you guys are so why are you still stuck on director you guys are crazy <laughs> it was so much better than flash <laughs> for quite a while Oh, um, it really was, yeah. And I, you know, I did some big projects with it. I
1: mean, director was cool because you could put a flash movie into director as a, as a sprite and have full oh, control over I'm it. I'm
0: just, you know, I'm just getting horrible flashbacks because <laughs> <laughs> I think I did that.
1: It was cool though because that was the only way you could get anti aliased sprites. I think I,
0: I had to sort of render some graphs or something like that. Right. So I did that as a Swift right. that I embedded into director. Right. Oh, because I don't think, I don't know if you could necessarily draw stuff in director with code.
1: Oh, you could you could set pixel and Or stuff. maybe it
0: was just about the um anti-aliasing then.
1: Yeah, when you rotated a sprite in director it looked absolutely horrible because <laughs> it wasn't anti-aliased at but all. But that was
0: part of the reason it was so fast, right? Because it was bitmaps. I mean in terms of having multiple sprites on the screen at once it just kicked flash's ass right for a long like, time yeah. yeah it was very much faster yeah
1: i mean i mean director actually not everyone used it but director also had an awesome visual interface like a yeah. uh, component based like behavior based system where you could you could write generic behaviors and drop them onto an object and have parameters that you could tweak for that object and very much ahead of what unity does yeah. now yeah Basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can sort of trace back the lineage, can't you?
1: But with Flash, they, they stopped, they got rid of that whole workflow. They sort of killed it. Yeah. And it was such a shame because it...
0: No, you could still do it. It was just horrible. <sighs> Having behaviour attached to all these graphics objects could get so messy.
1: No, but there was, uh, like, some of the reasons why it was bad could have been fixed more easily. So, like, for example, there was a thing with frame scripts in, in Flash. Yeah. Where basically... There was no easy way to browse them. They were just they could be buried like four movie clips <laughs> deep in yeah. these ways that you can't find. Them. And it's like, what's making this code happen? And there was hidden in some frame, super nested. There's like one line uh, of code that does something weird. But that was bats. bad. But then you see if you could like if you could have had all that stuff external in just external files, right, yeah. code files, and just browse through them and had an easy way of seeing where they went I
0: and mean, you can sort of get into that sort of trouble with unity as well can't you
1: not in the same way though because there's a you've got a search box right yeah and you can search the scene for anything by name and you can also search by type mm. so you can say in a scene show me all the objects that have this mono behavior attached right they have this component attached to them so they have like a, a head exploder um <laughs> behavior attached to them right so yeah. then you're not going to lose code in the same way and obviously now we have things like modern debuggers and things like that so if something weird is happening it's much easier to get to the bottom of why it's happening yeah. plus unity at any time you can pause the scene and look around everything and you know, you've got that amazing like introspection, but then Director, yeah. I think, had a command line interface which was cool. Ugh. Where you not could... everyone used it, but it was super powerful. Basically, you could type in Lingo into it. That was the yeah. programming language for Director. You Ugh. could type in Lingo at runtime, so you could just say set the X position of this sprite to like two right. hundred, and it would move
0: it. So it had a REPL interface. What's a REPL? That's what they call it. R E P L. I always forget it. I can't remember what it stands for, but it's like. Um, you know, like in the browser, yeah you open like the JavaScript console and you can just type stuff in and yeah. look at the variables. Yeah. It's, it's that. Yeah. There's one obviously in Python, there's one in Node.js and of course there's one in there's one in Director.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. Yeah. So Director had loads of stuff that Flash didn't have that were that was really good. <sighs>
0: it's a shame as well when
1: things just the knowledge that gets collected just gets forgotten again.
0: Oh, tell us about the old days, Grandpa. <laughs> well, no, it's not, but it's not
1: even like that. It's like we have to keep continually rediscovering things that we already know work. I don't, I don't really see that as a
0: problem, to be honest. You know, we let those old things go and we use what we learned in the new things. Yeah, but no, that's exactly what I'm saying. We're, I'm we're saying, the, I'm saying, like, village elders. Now. I'm
1: saying, though, like, a lot of the time we just forget a workflow that was good. And we yeah. end up back with some uh, some other workflow that isn't as good.
0: Yeah, but we recognise it as being less good and we're, we're in a good position to maybe fix it. Whereas if you'd never experienced one that was better, then you wouldn't necessarily think it was wrong or could be improved. Yeah. That's why we're the village elders. Right. <laughs> the village something. <laughs> village idiots. Damn it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Xbox 360, RIP... Yeah.
1: RIP, cool console but yeah it's not that powerful in by modern standards so eventually these things all no
0: Is the new xbox better have you got one
1: yeah i mean this i haven't got one but this generation is like it's not super ahead of i mean the big difference between this generation and the previous one is that it's not pcs now gaming pcs are already way ahead of where these consoles are now whereas with the xbox 360 it cost like 300 quid or whatever when it launched and it was as Mm. good as pretty much as good as the best gaming pc you could buy at the time yeah um whereas now like yeah gaming pcs the graphics cards are just so powerful they're like way ahead and people are doing you know dual graphics cards powering 4 4k monitors and things (laughs) like that and just like these ridiculous setups so yeah the state of the art will always be ahead of consoles now unfortunately yeah which is, I mean, like, you know, if you think about, like, the first time you saw a Super Nintendo or something, it was like, there's nothing like that. Or mm. arcade machines, like, they were so far ahead of, yeah. like, anything you could get at home. Do you remember Neo Geo? I know of it. It was the hardware that powered arcade machines, but you could also get a home one, and the games came as the boards from arcade machines. Like, it was a, it was a circuit board <laughs> with a game on, with no case, I don't think, but you had to just wire in
0: <laughs> Neo Geo. It's crazy. The Neo Geo is like super famous, but I've never seen one. Oh, you, ha- you, I mean, you've seen them though. On the internet.
1: No, every time you see like a Metal Slug arcade machine or you see like, uh, oh, right. You know, certain arcade machines, like, they just got all inside. Neo Geos inside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you have seen it lots of times. Awesome.
0: Cool. Awesome, awesome engine. Right, cool. so should we wrap things up?
1: Yeah, I was going to end with this poem though. Oh, yeah, go. Um, go. What's so the poem? basically,
0: this guy called. Poetry Corner, a new yeah. feature of the Creative Coding <laughs> the Podcast. This guy called
1: Jason O'Gilbert has written a yeah. poem by getting the the titles of uh, Qu- Quora questions. Now Quora <laughs> is this question and answer site very much focused around startups
0: in Silicon Valley. So I got I got so fed up with Quora. <laughs> I actually I actually unsubscribed because every yeah. single thing that I got from it was about guns. <laughs> really. Maybe you yeah. answered one thing about guns, though,
1: or art. How would I answer anything about I don't guns? Know. I don't Maybe know you asked about something guns. about Nerf guns or lasers and they put you in a category.
0: They put me in the gun category. It was
1: really annoying. Okay, take it away, Poetry Corner. So here we go. This is from fusion.net. Why do so many startups fail? Why are all the hosts on couch surfing male? <laughs> are we going to be tweeting for the rest of our lives? Why do Silicon Valley billionaires choose average looking wives? <laughs> What makes a startup ecosystem thrive? What do people plan to do once they're over 35? (laughs) Is an income of $160,000 enough to survive? What kind of car does Mark Zuckerberg drive? Are the real estate prices in Palo Alto crazy? Do welfare programs make poor people lazy? (laughs) What are some of the biggest lies ever told? How do I explain Bitcoin to a six-year-old? Why is powdered alcohol not successful so far? How does UberX handle vomiting in the car? (laughs) Is being worth $10 million considered rich? What can be causing my upper lip to twitch? Why has crowdfunding not worked for me? Is it worth pre-ordering a Tesla Model 3? How is Klinkle different from Vemu and Square? Can karma sometimes be unfair? Why are successful entrepreneurs stereotypically jerks? Which Silicon Valley company has the best intern perks? What looks really easy until you actually try it? (laughs) Why do your excretions change under a full, soylent diet? (laughs) What are alternatives to online dating? Uh, Is living in a small apartment debilitating? Why don't more entrepreneurs focus on solving world hunger? What do you regret not doing when you were younger? Oh, that's beautiful. And there we go. That's the awesome Silicon Valley Quora poetry
0: by Jason O'Gilbert on Fusion.net. And it's... D- did you get permission <laughs> to reproduce that on the podcast? No. Please don't sue us, Jason.
1: Don't sue us. We love you.
0: Ace. We we're, love here. you. <laughs> we're from
1: the internet too.
0: Mind you, I suppose all the Quora question writers could sue him back, right?
1: That whole community is just just bonkers, aren't they? <laughs> From those sort of questions. Soylent is weird. Yeah. Just, it's all weird. It's like they've completely lost all sense <laughs> of perspective.
0: Oh, it's $160,000 on enough
1: to survive.
0: Yeah, it's tough.
1: I like, I like the one that's, what's the alternative to online dating? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: Going out and meeting people in the real world.
0: No, that's scary. <laughs> Obviously, we, d- we don't want to actually contact humans. Very messy.
1: It's weird. I mean, yes, perspective people.
0: Excellent. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. You yep. can catch us on Twitter at ccpod, on the internet at ccpod.co. If you like our show, please consider supporting us on patreon.com forward slash creative coding or leave us a nice review or give us some stars on iTunes. That's nice too. That was almost a poem. <laughs> <laughs> So you've just got me you thinking in, in, in rhythmic rhyming couplets yeah. or whatever. <laughs> cool. Goodbye from Ian. Yes. See you next time on the Creative Coding Podcast. Goodbye. Bye.